0: Chapter 7 of Born to Serve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rennell. Born to Serve by Charles Monroe Sheldon. We cannot choose in all things. When Barbara went out into the darkness after that scene with Miss Dillingham, it was more than the darkness of physical night that oppressed her. She thought she realized with a vividness more real than she had ever before experienced the gulf that separated her from the young minister of Marble Square Church. With almost grim resolve, she said to herself, I have dreamed a vain dream. I will give myself up now to my career. Whatever ambition I have shall center about the possibilities of service. He can never be anything to me. It would risk all his prospects in life, even if, even if, he should come to care for me. Her heart failed at the suggestion, for there had been intimations on the part of the young preacher that Barbara could not help interpreting to mean at least a real interest in her, and her career. But no, it is not possible," she said positively as she walked on. His life is dependent on social conditions that he must observe. For him to ignore them must mean social loss and possibly social disgrace. The minister of Marble Square Church care for a hired girl? Make her his wife, barbara trembled at the thought of the sacred word which she hardly whispered to her heart even if she were well educated and well equipped for such a position as any young woman in his parish still nothing could remove the fact of her actual service and service barbara bitterly said to herself as she neared home service is no longer considered a noble thing it is only beautiful young women like miss dillingham who have nothing to do who have the highest place in society a girl who is really doing something with her hands to make a home a sweeter more peaceful spot is not regarded by the world as worth more than any other cog in a necessary machine society cannot give real service any place in its worship it is only the leisure of idle wealth and fashion that wins the love and homage of the world And the church, too, Barbara continued in her monologue after she had bidden her mother good night and gone up to her room. The church, too, in its pride and vainglory, is ready to join the world in scorn of honest labor of the hands. She recalled all the real and fancied slights and rebuffs she had endured in the church, and from church people since going out to service. And for a few minutes her heart was hard and bitter toward all Christian people. But gradually, as she grew quiet, her passion cooled, and she said to herself in a short prayer, Lord, let me not offend by judging too hastily. And if I am to lose out of my life my heart's desire for love, do not let me grow morose or chiding. Keep me sweet and uncomplaining. How else shall I help to make a better world? a few tears fell as she prayed this prayer and after a few minutes quiet she felt more like her natural even-tempered self if i am going to stay a servant she said with some calling back of her former habit i must learn what god thinks of service i shall need all i can get out of his word to strengthen me in the days to come she had made a collection of her passages relating to service and tonight she added to it from one of Paul's letters, dwelling on the words as she read them aloud. Servants, obey in all things them that are your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye-service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatsoever ye do, work heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord ye shall receive the recompense of the inheritance. Ye serve the Lord Christ, for he that doeth wrong shall receive again for the wrong that ye hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Masters, render unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Of course, Barbara mused after saying the words, All this was said to actual slaves whose bodies were bought and sold in the market like cattle. But what wonderful words to be spoken to any class of servants, either then or now. Whatsoever ye do, work heartily. One thing that servants lack in their service is hardiness. It is done for wages, not for love of service, as unto the Lord and not unto men. How few servants ever think of that. The Lord is the real master. He is being served if what I do is a good thing that needs doing. There is no respect of persons. How great a thing that is. In God's sight, my soul is as much worth saving as any other. He thinks as much of me as he does of the rich and the famous. Masters, render unto your servants... That which is just and equal. If that were done, it might make conditions far different, so far as the servant girl question is concerned. But who will tell us what is meant by just and equal today? Barbara shook her head doubtfully and went on. Knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. That helps me. Paul must have known my need as well as the need of the poor bondservants to whom he wrote a master in heaven. May he help me to serve him in spirit and in truth. So Barbara the next day did not present the appearance of the modern broken-hearted heroine in the -the end-of-the-century novel. Anyone who knew her could plainly see the marks in her face and manner of great experience. But there was no gloom about her, no unchristian, tragic bewailing of fate or circumstance if she were to live her life as she supposed she should without life's greatest help to live so far as human love can go she would at least live it bravely as so many other souls have done and yet barbara you know well enough that ambition does not spell love and in spite of all you know your heart would tremble if the young minister of marble square church should pass you and give you one earnest look out of his great dark eyes as he did that well-remembered day when he said that you were beautiful ah barbara are you quite sure you have forever bidden farewell to the holiest dream of your womanhood she busied herself during the day with her work and in the evening went over to mrs vane's to see her again concerning the proposed building she was eager to get to work her heart longed for busy days to keep her mind absorbed Mrs. Vane suggested several good ideas. While you are waiting to complete the details of the building itself, why not interview a large number of factory and store girls about their work? Find out something about the reasons that they appeal to young women for a choice of labor. You are not certain that you can get any girls to attend your training school. I think you can, but very many other good people will tell you your plan is senseless. It is only when people begin to try to do good in the world that they discover what fools they are. Other people, who never make an effort to better the world, will tell them so. There will arise a host of tormenting critics as soon as the idea of your proposed training school is suggested. They will tear it all to pieces. Don't pay any attention to them. The world does not owe anything to that kind of criticism. But it will help your plan if before the building is put up you can answer honest questions as to its practical working. There's another thing I would like to say, and I shall say it, my dear, seeing I am old enough to be your grandmother. What's that, Barbara asked colouring, she anticipated Mrs. Vane's next remark. I think it would be a distinct saving power if in some way— "'we could make the training school a part of Mr. Morton's settlement work.' "'I don't think it is possible,' replied Barbara in a low voice. "'Her manner expressed so much distress that the old lady said at once, "'My dear, I will not say any more about it. "'But will you permit me to tell you plainly that I am firmly convinced that Mr. Morton is in love with you, "'and will ask you to marry him?' And you will have to give him some kind of a satisfactory answer, for he is not a young man to be satisfied with unsatisfactory answers. Oh, I cannot believe it, Barbara exclaimed, and then she put her face in her hands while she trembled. It's true, the old lady said sturdily, my old eyes are not so dim that I cannot see love talking out of other eyes. And that is what his were saying when he was here last week. My dear there is nothing dreadful about it i should enjoy having you for my pastors but it is impossible barbara lifted her head blushingly there is nothing impossible in love's kingdom replied the old lady gently if it comes to you do not put it away you are his equal in all that is needful for your happiness then barbara told her all about the event of the night before at the church if she had been a catholic she would have gone to a priest being a protestant she confessed to this old lady because her heart longed for companionship and there was that quality in mrs vane which encouraged confidences when she was through mrs vane said there is nothing very hopeless about all this he has certainly never been anything but the noble-hearted christian gentleman in his treatment of you Barbara did not tell of the remark Mr. Morton had made about beautiful faces, but inasmuch as he had apologized for a seeming breach of gentlemanly conduct, she did not feel very guilty in withholding the incident from Mrs. Vane. And I really believe he feels worse than you do over any slights you received from the members of the church. Barbara was silent. Now that her heart was unburdened, she felt grateful to Mrs. Vane. But she naturally shrank from undue expression of her feelings. Mrs. Vane respected a reserve as she had encouraged her confidence. Don't be downhearted, my dear. Go right on with your plans. Count on me for the ten thousand and more if the plan develops as I think it will, and Meanwhile, if in your trips among the working girls, you run across any anyone who can take Hilda's place, send her around i haven't been able to find anybody yet i would get along without help but mr vane will not allow it with all the company we have no don't shake hands like men kiss me my dear so barbara impulsively kissed her and went away much comforted she dreaded the thought that she might meet the young minister and half hoped she might but for the next three weeks mr morton was called out of crawford on a lecture tour which the marble street church granted him and when barbara learned that he was gone she almost felt relieved as she planned her work with mrs ward's hearty cooperation to see as many working girls as possible for information and to learn from them the story of their choice of life labor and its relation to her own purpose so far as helping solve the servant question was concerned what barbara learned during the next three weeks would make a volume in itself she did not know that she had any particular talent for winning confidences but a few days experience taught her that she was happily possessed of a rare talent for making friends she managed in one way and another to meet girls at work in a great variety of ways in the big department store of bondmen and co in the long row of factories by the river In the girls' refreshment rooms at the Young Women's Christian Association, in the offices of business friends where the click of the typewriter was the constant note of service, in the restaurants and waiting rooms about the big Union Station, in the different hotels and a few of the boarding houses of Crawford, Barbara met representatives of the great army of young women at work in the city and out of what seemed like meagre and unsatisfactory opportunities for confidence and the sharing of real purpose in labor she succeeded in getting much true information much of which shaped her coming plan and determined the nature of her appeal to the mistresses on one hand and the servants on the other But a few exceptions then she said to mrs ward one evening after she had been at work on this personal investigation for three weeks all this army of girls at work represents a real need in the home somewhere i found some girls working in the offices and a very few in the stores and factories who said they were working for other reasons than for necessary money here is a list of girls in bondments. i told them i did not want it for the purpose of printing it and it is not necessary But there are over two hundred of these girls who cannot by any possibility save any money out of their expenses and a few of them barbara spoke with a sense of shame for her humankind and of indignation against unchristian greed and business a few of them hinted at temptations to live wrong lives in order to earn enough to make them independent and yet all of these girls vigorously refused to accept a position offered to leave the store and go to work at double the wages and a home as a servant i offered over fifty of these girls four dollars a week and good board and room at mrs vane's and not one of them was willing to accept it even when as in many cases they were not receiving over three and a half a week out of which they had to pay for board and other necessaries "'And the reason they gave was,' Mrs. Ward, who was an interested listener, asked the question. "'They hated the drudgery and confinement of house labor. "'They loved the excitement and independence of their life in the store. "'Of course, they all gave one main reason for not wanting to be a house-servant's— "'the loss of social position. "'Several of the girls in the factory had been hired girls.' they all without exception spoke of their former work with evident dislike and with one or two exceptions refused to entertain any proposition to go back to the old work i think one of the girls in the art bills will go to mrs Fanes. she worked for her some years ago and liked her but what can the needs of the home of today present to labour in the way of inducement to come into its field i must confess i had very little to say to the girls in the way of inducement not on account of my own experience barbara hastened to say with a grateful look at mrs and mr ward for you have been very very kind to me and made my service sweet but in general i must confess after these three weeks contact with labour outside the home i see somewhat more clearly the reason why all branches of women's labor have inducements that house labor does not offer and how about the prospects for pupils for the training school mr ward asked keenly he had come to have a very earnest interest in the proposed building out of all the girls i have seen barbara answered with some hesitation only four have promised definitely that they would take such a course and enter good homes as servants one of these was an american girl in an office the others were foreign-born girls in bondmen's the outlook is not very encouraging is it mrs ward remarked with a faint smile it looks to me martha mr ward suggested as if it might be necessary to put up a training school for training our christian housekeepers as well as christian servants if what barbara has secured in the way of confession from these girls is accurate it looks as if they are unwilling to work as servants because of the unjust or unequal or unchristian conditions in the houses that employ them at the same time richard remember the great army of incompetent ungrateful girls we have borne here in our home for years until barbara came What can the housekeeper do with such material? If the girls were all like Barbara, it would be different, you know. Well, I give it up, replied Mr. Ward with a sigh as he opened up his evening paper. The whole thing is beyond me, and Barbara, of course, will be leaving us as soon as this new work begins. And then farewell to peace, and welcome chaos again you are not going to leave us just yet are you barbara mrs ward asked with an affectionate glance at barbara the house is not built yet barbara answered returning mrs ward's look of course barbara will leave us when she has a home of her own mr ward said in short sentences as he read down a part of the page then our revenge for her leaving us will be the thought that her troubles have just begun when she begins to have hired girls herself "'I don't think there's any sign of it yet,' Mrs. Ward said, looking keenly at Barbara, who colored a little. "'I have not noticed any bows in the kitchen.' "'More likely to come in through the parlor,' Mr. Ward suggested. And again Barbara looked up with a blush, and Mrs. Ward could not help admiring the girl's pure, intelligent face. There was silence for a moment while Barbara went over her list of figures and memoranda i see morton is back from the west mr ward suddenly exclaimed looking up from his paper the news says he had a remarkable tour and prints a large part of his recent address on the temperance issue i predict for him a great career marble square never did a wiser thing than when it called him to its pulpit my only fear is that he may kill himself with these lecture tours there was silence again and barbara bent her head a little lower over her work which lay on the table he is certainly a very promising young man mrs ward said and just then the bell rang shouldn't wonder if that was morton himself mr ward exclaimed as he rose i asked him to come in and see us as soon as he came back i'll go to the door he went out to the hall and opened the door And Mrs. Ward and Barbara could hear him greet Mr. Morton, speaking his name heartily. Come right into the sitting room, Morton. We're there tonight. Mrs. Ward will be delighted to see you. Barbara rose and slipped out into the kitchen just as Mr. Ward and Morton reached the end of the hall. She busied herself with something there for half an hour. At the end of that time, she heard Mr. Ward's hearty, strong voice saying good night to Morton. As he went out into the hall with him after a few minutes barbara came back into the sitting room and taking her list of names and facts from the table prepared to go up to her room mr ward was saying as she came in morton seemed very dull for him don't you think he is probably very tired with his lecture tour it is a very exhausting sort of the front door opened quickly a strong firm step came through the hall and Mr. Morton opened the sitting-room door and stepped in. "'Excuse me, Ward, I left my gloves on the table,' he began as he walked in. Then he saw Barbara, who had turned as he entered. "'I'm glad to see you, Miss Clark,' he said as he picked up his gloves. And then he added, as he remained somewhat awkwardly standing in the middle of the room, "'How is your training school building getting on? I suppose it is hardly finished yet?' Barbara made some sort of answer and mrs ward added a word about what barbara had been doing while mr morton had been gone morton expressed his interest in some particular item of information given by mrs ward and told a little incident that had come under his own observation during his lecture tour mr ward asked a question suggested by something the young minister had said and that seemed to remind him of a story he had heard on the train before anyone realized exactly how it happened morton was seated talking in the most interesting manner about his trip he had a keen sense of humor and some of the scenes he had witnessed while on his tour were very funny as he told them barbara found herself laughing with an enjoyment she had not felt for a long time she was delighted with morton's powers of dramatic description and the apparently unfailing fund of anecdote that he possessed She wondered at his remarkable memory, and her wonder was evidently shared by Mr. and Mrs. Ward, who had long thought Morton a marvel in that respect. In the midst of a most interesting account of the way he had been introduced to a Western audience by a local character, a neighboring clock in one of the city buildings struck ten. Morton stopped talking and rose. I had no idea it was so late. Pardon me. He said goodnight somewhat abruptly and started for the door. You're sure you haven't left anything this time? asked Mr. Ward. I have, though, Mr. Morton answered with some confusion, as he came back to the table and took up his hat, which he had dropped there when he took up his gloves. As he did so, he glanced at Barbara, who lowered her eyes and turned towards the kitchen as if to go out. I get more absent minded every day, he said somewhat feebly. You need a wife to look after you, said Mrs. Ward with decision. She had picked up her work, which she had dropped in her lap while Morton was telling stories, and was intent on finishing it. Barbara opened the kitchen door and went out just as Mr. Ward said with a laugh, Probably every woman in Marble Square Church has some particular wife in view for you, and you will disappoint all of them when you finally make a choice without consulting them. I probably shall replied Morton quietly, and saying good nights again, he went away. Mr. Ward was silent a few minutes, and then said, as if he had been thoughtfully considering a new idea, "'Morton didn't seem at all dull or tired after coming back for his gloves. Have you thought that there might be a reason for it?' "'No. What reason?' Mrs. Ward looked up suddenly from her work, startled by Mr. Ward's manner i think he enjoys barbara's company richard ward you don't mean to say that ralph morton would marry barbara i not only think he would i think he will replied mr ward quietly mrs ward was too much surprised at the unexpected suggestion to offer a word of comment at first the thought of such a thing was so new to her that she had been totally unprepared for it how would you like to have barbara for your minister's wife mr ward asked in the bantering tone he sometimes used mrs ward was on the point of replying a little sharply but suffering had done its mellowing work in her life before carl's death she would have resented as an unparalleled impossibility such a thought as that of the pastor of marble square church choosing for his wife even a girl like barbara his intellectual and christian equal but many things since barbara's coming into the home had conspired to change mrs ward's old habits and as mr ward asked his question now she saw a picture of barbara and carl as they had been one evening a few days before the child's death his little arms were about barbara's neck and his pale thin cheek was lying close against hers if it should come to that she finally answered mr ward's question slowly i am sure There is one woman in the Marble Square Church who will not make any trouble. Mr. Ward looked surprised, but as he went out into the front hall to lock the door for the night, he muttered, A man can never tell what a woman will say or do when she is struck by lightning. During the week that followed, Barbara spent all the time she was able to spare from her own work in securing facts connected with her proposed plans. Mrs. Ward herself went with her to several well known houses in Crawford and introduced her to her friends. In every instance, Barbara found that there was the greatest possible interest in the subject, but no two women seemed to agree as to any policy or plan. There was unanimous agreement on one thing namely, a need of capable, intelligent, honest servants in the house, who were to be depended on for continuous service or at least for a period of several years that might be reckoned as continuous the same as a businessman could count on the continuous service in his employ of a competent bookkeeper or clerk who was necessary to the welfare of the business but no more so than a competent servant in continuous service is necessary to the welfare of the whole the trouble is one woman after another would say and the girls themselves they do not have any ambitions as a class they do not wish to be taught. They resent advice. They are ungrateful for nearly all favors. They do not think anybody to try to improve their condition. We are tired of constant efforts made to solve an unsolvable problem with the material that must be used." Still in spite of all these discouragements, Barbara bravely determined to go on, and her next effort was directed toward the girls who had expressed a willingness to go into service in the home instead of the store and factory she managed to call all these together saturday evening at her own home and with her mother helping her she made a pleasant evening serving some light refreshments and entertaining the girls with music and pictures there were eight of them in all two of them had a little experience at house service none of them barbara found unquestioning was really competent to manage the affairs of a household two were american girls who had lived on farms and had come into crawford to accept small places at bondman's their experiences there had not been pleasant and they were ready to try something that promised at least a temporary financial relief barbara gave a little impromptu talk before the girls went home and ended it by asking the girls to ask questions or talk over, in a general way, the prospects of housekeeping service, as she had described it to them. Do you think, Miss Clark, from your own experience, that the hired girl's loss of social standing is the one great obstacle to the settlement of the question of service? One of the American girls asked. She was a bright-looking girl, evidently a lover of fine-looking dresses. And, as Barbara discovered, with habits of extravagance far beyond her little means to gratify. Barbara hesitated a moment before she answered. Yes, I think perhaps that is the most serious factor in the problem. I don't consider it unanswerable. I believe that Christian housekeepers and Christian servants can find an answer that will satisfy them both. I think the irregular hours are the hardest part of housework, Said one of the girls, an honest faced German, somewhat older than the others. I worked two years for a family in the West, and some days I did not get through with my work until nine and even ten o'clock at night. One reason I have liked the store is because the hours of labor have been regular. I know just exactly how long I have to work, but I cannot earn enough where I now am. I saved over one hundred and fifty dollars one year when I was working out at four dollars a week. "'It's the dirty work that I don't like,' spoke up a careless-looking girl whom Barbara had found in the bundle department at Bondman's. Barbara did not know just what it was that had drawn this girl to her. But something had done it, and there was something very attractive about Barbara to the girl.' AND SHE HAD EXPRESSED A CERTAIN READINESS TO LEARN THE WORK OF A SERVANT SO AS TO BE COMPETENT. THAT NEVER TROUBLED ME ANY, SAID THE NEATEST GIRL OF ALL. MY TROUBLE WAS CAUSED BY NOT KNOWING HOW TO DO THE WORK SATISFACTORILY. I FOUND I DID NOT KNOW HOW TO PLAN FOR THE MEALS AND COOK THEM PROPERLY. ONE OF MY FRIENDS, WHO WAS IN THE NEXT HOUSE, WAS A SPLENDID COOK AND MANAGER. It was a large family, but she seemed to throw the work off easily because she knew how to plan it right. That's it, Barbara spoke eagerly. Is it any wonder that so many women complain at the troubles they have with servants when so many of them have no experience and yet claim as high wages as if they had? A bookkeeper would not expect to get and retain a place in a business firm if he did not understand the business of keeping books yet the housekeepers tell me that girls are continually coming into their houses claiming to be competent for the work when in reality they do not know anything about it it is necessary for the girls to put themselves in the places of the housekeepers and ask what should i have a right to expect from a girl who came into my house as a servant there's another thing i hear other girls complain about said one of the older girls of the company they say that in most families, the scale of wages paid to servants never changes. They say they never get any more a week after years of working out than they got when they begun. I know one girl who has been with one family five years. The first year she had two dollars and seventy-five cents. The third year, they increased her wages to three and a half for fear of losing her, and they have remained at that figure ever since girls who work out do not have the ambition to get on that young men in a business firm have they cannot look forward to a better condition or higher pay that isn't true in some families i know replied barbara i know some people in crawford who offer increased wages for increased ability or length of time the girls stay with them of course we have to remember that most people who hire labor for the house claim that they can afford to pay only about so much for such work the woman who lives next to mrs ward complains because mrs ward gives me four dollars and a half a week the other woman says she is unable to pay so much but all her girls when they hear what i am getting want as much whether they are capable of earning it or not then because she cannot pay it they become dissatisfied and leave her i am afraid mrs ward has made an enemy out of a neighbor on my account by paying me what she thinks i am worth don't you think you are entitled to the four and a half asked the careless-looking girl indeed i do replied barbara laughing i think i earn every cent of it then i don't see what right the other woman has to find fault with mrs ward for paying it i don't either said barbara frankly but perhaps the whole question of wages belongs to the question of ability i don't think though that we need to talk so much about that as the need of a true thought of what service means there is practically no ideal of service in the minds of most girls today to serve is to follow christ who was a servant to serve a family to minister to its necessary physical wants to do drudgery in the name of god To keep on faithfully every day in the line of duty, working cheerfully, heartily, washing dishes clean, sweeping rooms without shirking, learning the best ways to prepare food for the household. All this is a part of a noble life, and it is this thought of the dignity and nobility of service that is lost out of the world today. It must be recovered before we can begin to solve the question. There must be, on the part of the mothers and housekeepers, and on the part of the girls who consecrate themselves to home ministry, a real thought of the real meaning of a servant's place in the economy of life. The homes of America must learn to sanctify and beautify the labor of the hands, not until our social Christianity has learned the lesson of ministry and learned that it is as noble to minister in the kitchen as in the pulpit not until then shall we begin to have any answer worth having to the question of service in the home barbara stopped suddenly and then said with a smile at the little group but this is a long sermon for a saturday night and see how late it is i can't ask you to stay any longer but i want you to come again the careless-looking girl was the last to say good-night as she shook barbara's hand strongly she said I don't think the sermon was too long, Miss Clark. I don't go to church on Sunday, and I need preaching. I think maybe I owe you more than you imagine. To Barbara's surprise, the girl suddenly threw her arms about her neck and kissed her. There was a tear on her cheek as she suddenly turned and went down the steps and joined the others. If I have such an influence over that soul, my lord, prayed Barbara that night, help me to use it for her salvation. IT WAS ALREADY BECOMING A SWEET SOURCE OF SATISFACTION TO BARBARA THAT THE AMBITION OF HER LIFE WAS BEGINNING TO MEAN A SAVING OF OTHER LIVES. SHE WAS ONLY YET DIMLY CONSCIOUS OF HER GREAT INFLUENCE OVER OTHER GIRLS. THE NEXT DAY WAS SUNDAY, AND SHE REMEMBERED HER FOOLISH REMARK TO MR. MORTON. DURING ALL HIS absence, SHE HAD NOT BEEN TO THE MARBLE SQUARE SERVICES. SHE HAD ATTENDED ELSEWHERE, BUT HAD NOT BEEN OUT IN THE EVENING going to her mother's and spending the evening reading to her she had at present rev f b meyer's book the shepherd's psalm and both mother and daughter were enjoying it very much she was reading the last chapter and even as she read she remembered that this was the night when the christian endeavour society at the marble square church had the entire service there was no preaching after the endeavour meeting which closed about eight o'clock it was half-past eight as barbara finished the beautiful narrative and her mother had thanked her and made some comment on the clearness of the style and its spiritual helpfulness when the bell rang they had so few visitors especially on sunday that they were startled by the sound but barbara rose at once and went to the door when she opened it she uttered an exclamation of astonishment for mr morton was standing there his face was pale and even stern barbara imagined as he stood there may i come in he said quietly as barbara stood still i want very much to see you and your mother barbara murmured a word of apology and then invited him to enter mrs clark rose to greet him and the minister took the seat she proffered him end of chapter 7 recording by renell